Hello, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I had Ashley Rinsberg on, R-I-N-D-S-B-E-R-G, when he wrote, uh, was it The Gray Lady? What was the, what was the actual title of his book on the New York Times? Because, that, yeah, well, I'll ask him exactly. Uh, he, he's a, a very important writer. He's an investigative journalist. He's now living in, in London. Writes for The Spectator and Tablet, two terrific publications. Ashley Rinsberg, welcome back to The Dennis Prager Show. Thank you so much, Dennis. So, the Columbia Journalism Review, you have this important piece on this, uh, basically writes, to my shock, and I'd like you to uh, tell me if you're as shocked as I am, the Columbia Journalism Review, and my shock is because the Columbia School of Journalism spawns these uh, these journalists who are leftists with the word journalist included, and yet, to its great credit, described how much the New York Times and Washington Post lied with regard to the Russian collusion hoax. So, first of all, are you were you surprised that the Columbia Journalism Review would write that? I mean, I was shocked, to be honest. I, I Somebody sent it to me. It, the piece actually came out the end of January. Someone sent it to me probably a week and a half ago, and I just could not really believe my eyes, not just because they did it, but because, first of all, they hired a, a very well-known uh, former New York Times reporter to write it, and then because it was uh, four parts with a an editor's introduction totaling 26,000 words. This was, in their own description, encyclopedic. Well, good. The fact that you were shocked uh, legitimates my shock. (laughs) Because you just know that world so much better than I do. All I can say is then, if you're shocked and I'm shocked, then the shock makes sense. And I can only say that my theory that a handful of outliers slash courageous people are what enables civilization to continue. It's like the 36 righteous people at any time. I, I, I'm, I'm almost literally believe in that. So who is this uh, former New York Times writer? His name is Jeff Gerth. He's a, uh, a quite a well-known investigative journalist. And, um, you know, he's somebody who has... The, the chops, the experience, but also who had the kind of insider reputation that you would need to get access to to anybody to speak to to uh, Columbia Jur- Journalism Review. They would not really speak to anyone who is not fully on the inside. And it, even then, he reached out, he says by his own admission, to 6D, 6-0 people. Only about 15 got back to him. And not a single head of a major newsroom made made himself or herself available to speak to her. Not one. All they right. There is a, there's a great this. deal I want to address with you. I'll be back in a moment. Ashley Rinsberg and his uh, pieces up at DennisPrager.com.
I know I have some good calls and hopefully take you, if not this hour, next hour, if I can, just letting you folks know I'm speaking to Ashley Rinsberg, a major investigative journalist and who wrote a very important book about the New York Times and now an important article about the Columbia Journalism Review, 26,000 words. I didn't realize that until he mentioned it. That's, the, that's not a right-wing source, ladies and gentlemen, uh, about how much lying the Washington Post and New York Times did on the Russian collusion issue and got a Pulitzer Prize for it, reminiscent of the Pulitzer Prize to Walter Durante in 1932, the Stalin defender in the New York Times. The New York Times history of deceit is a big one. It is the newspaper of record for the left. He wrote a book about it. And he wrote a book about it, Ashley Rinsberg. What is the name of your book? Because we, we promoted it, and it's up again at DennisPrager.com. It is called The Gray Lady Winked. The Gray Lady Winked. Good title. The New York Times is known as The Gray Lady. I want to, So obviously I want to return to this... Uh, incredibly important uh, piece. What is as important as the piece is the silence of the media, and I'd like you to address that now. Yeah, I, that's that's the most conspicuous thing. I mean, after, what is it, four or five, six years of, of Russiagate, endless prosecution of this supposed collusion between Trump and, and Russia, that pen that did not pan out turned out to be basically not true aside from some questionable interactions on the fringes the media has not gone back and done a how did we get this wrong they haven't gone back and exonerated the, the figures that they indicted in the news pages and they haven't reacted to this article which is really strange because the media loves this kind of retrospective they love these big sprawling media pieces generates a lot of buzz on twitter it gives them something they love talking about themselves, basically, like, like the rest of us. But in this case, you've got this massive piece by a, by a distinguished journalism in the premier publication on journalism, which is the Columbia Journalism Review. And in response, we have absolute crickets, silence, which is it, it's kind of galling when you think about it. Had there been a Columbia Journalism Review piece on the deceit the alleged deceit of the Trump administration, it would have been repeated every day by Democrats in Congress and by the New York Times and Washington Post. But when the deceit comes from the left, which is infinitely greater than deceit from the right, uh, there is, as you as you point out, crickets. The Pulitzer Prize Committee has also been crickets, Correct. They have they have not only been crickets, they have refused to rescind prizes that were given illegitimately. And of course, we should note that the Pulitzer is given by the Columbia School of Journalism, the same school. that. Oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) That's amazing. So it makes this even more amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to put a picture of the editor up and and bow down to it. (laughs) Absolutely. Kyle Pope, he deserves a lot of credit for taking in his world, a very daring stance on this issue. And daring, what we mean there is just telling the truth as it happened. That's all they really did with this piece. But in that world, it really is uh, 
a, a major form of dissent to do what they did with with this article. Wow. So who who there literally is to the best of your knowledge not one exception. USA Today, Washington Post, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, CNN, MSNBC, there isn't one that has mentioned this? There there have been some that have pushed back on it. There has been a, a couple articles, I think New York Magazine did a piece that was basically trying to debunk it by saying that, uh, that the editor Kyle Pope had shot down a, another story that would have validated some of these claims, blah, 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 blah. So it, it was a pushback. But there weren't people out there. I mean, again, in, in these kind of big, sprawling media, retrospective deep dives, as they call them, the journalists love to talk about this. But this is like pure Twitter fodder. And it was like the silence on Twitter is deafening. Like, it, and it's still that way today. I think you've had a couple people out there, like Glenn Greenwald has mentioned it, and you know, people who are, who are used to calling out the media for this kind of stuff. But otherwise, within the media itself, there's been nothing. And also, many of them just didn't even issue a comment to, uh, to Jeff Gerth when he wrote the piece. So you just get no comment from Jeffrey Goldberg at The Atlantic and, and from figures of that, of that stature within the media. They, they just didn't respond. Who owns The Again. Atlantic? Um, I, that's a good question. I believe there might be some investment by Laureen Powell Jobs. I, I would need to actually go back and look at that. Well, but, anyway, um, look, it's as committed to truth as Pravda was. That's why I studied Russian. All right. Uh, <laughs> the Gray Lady Winked is his book. The article that he has just written on this is up at DennisPrager.com, and we need to do more with you. Thank you, Ashley Rinsberg. Thank you, Dennis. Pleasure indeed. Well, all right, much more coming up. You may know about Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki wrote the worldwide bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He is on a mission to elevate the financial well-being of humanity. I know him personally, and he's brilliant. The thought of getting access to Robert's personal strategies for free is extraordinary. He's worried about the average person and believes we are at a tipping point. Therefore, if you want to learn what smart investors are doing in 2023, listen to the number one personal finance author of all time for free. Head to richdadworld.com slash Prager for free access to Robert Kiyosaki's 2023 predictions live stream. Plus, listeners to my show get a free copy of Robert's new book even before it's released to the public and a recorded coaching session valued at $200 for free. All you have to do is go to richdadworld.com forward slash Prager. You get your free book, your free access to the Predictions live stream event. Again, richdadworld.com forward slash Prager. Cupid, draw back your bow and let your arrow go straight to my lover's heart for me, for me. Hey everybody, happy Valentine's Day out there, Rick, from my heart to yours, a happy Valentine's Day, you and Sean, my bearded Valentine's, yep, 
everybody should have a bearded Valentine. All right, y'all. Dennis Prager here. The Washington Post, the repository of mostly nonsense. I mean that literally. Uh, anything that appears that is not straight news, which is often dishonest, as we know in the case of the Russian collusion story, uh, is just nonsense. So here is a, this is, I assume, a, a news story. But it, it's, it's not about news. The news is only what the CDC says. The CDC is packed with foolish people. And I will prove it to you again, again, and again, and again. We have a terrible crisis. The damage done by the left and radical secularism to young people is immeasurable, immeasurable. My heart breaks for the young today. You're not a boy or a girl. You should be ashamed of being an American. If you're a white, you're a piece of crap. If you're a black, you're a victim. Your whole life is a victim. All the non-blacks around you can't stand you. This is the message from the utterly and completely nihilistic and destructive left. So the CDC, which is just packed, as I said, with fools, they're analyzing why girls are in such trouble. By the way, so are boys. Uh, one can argue that the boys are in even greater trouble. I'm not here to co- have a competition who's in bigger trouble. I think boys and girls are. But this is about girls. So I'm going to read to you from the news piece about the CDC's report. Teen girls, the, the, uh, the, uh, the headline is, Teen Girls Engulfed in Violence and Trauma. CDC fines. This is yesterday's Washington, actually today's Washington Post, now that I think of it, because it's dated yesterday because it was there on the internet before they're published. Teen girls across the United States are, quote, engulfed in a growing wave of violence and trauma. Did you know that? That they're engulfed? First of all, do you believe that? Teen girls are engulfed in a growing wave of violence? They're engulfed in a growing wave of meaninglessness. But this is the CDC, which is packed with fools. After the damage the CDC did to America's youth, you'd think they'd shut up. But humility is not one of the dominant characteristics of people on the left. Arrogance is. According to federal researchers, don't you love that? Federal researchers. So what does your parent do for a living? Oh, she's a federal researcher. Who released data on Monday... So when would that be? I guess that's yesterday. Showing increases in rape and sexual violence, as well as record levels of feeling sad or hopeless. Teen girls are increasingly raped. I found that a little difficult to believe. 
First, I find anything the CDC says difficult to believe because their track record is awful. But aside from that, I have so often relied on common sense. Like, remember how many years we were told the university is a culture of rape? So I always ask the question, because I'm such a believer that reason, rationality, is such a powerful tool. If the campus was dominated by a culture of rape, why did any parent send their daughter to college? It's like the, the left tells us that cities on seashores will be drowning in, in, within 20 years. But they buy seashore property. It's like you must close your restaurant and wear masks, but not if you're the governor of California. I will sit in a restaurant without a mask. I don't have an answer to the, does the left believe its lies. I think that they often do, but their conscience is so malleable that it's, it's not, they don't ask, is it true? Nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they seriously considered suicide, up nearly 60% from a decade ago, according to new findings from the CDC. Okay, so let's analyze that. Nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they seriously considered suicide. That, I, I, don't, I don't deny that that report may be accurate. It may well be. Nothing the CDC prescribes, nothing, absolutely nothing, will help of these girls. Now, here comes the next, uh, the next item. Almost 15% of teen girls said they were forced to have sex an increase of 27% over two years and the first increase since the CDC began tracking it. Now, let's understand that. 15% of teen girls said they were forced to have sex. What What does that mean, forced to have sex? It's never explained. If you don't have sex, I'll hurt you. If you don't have sex, I'll, I'll stab you. If you don't have sex, I will. What, what does it mean? And I, I mean this quite sincerely. There, it is never defined. My suspicion is, because this is these are reports that I find credible, that a lot of young women, college and or high school, when they regret having had sex, as many do, they were inebriated or they uh, felt they they had to, not because they were forced, but because the guy talked them into it, and or because their girlfriends talked them into it. You're a virgin? What, what, what's wrong with you? Anyway, your uh, feminism has taught us that we have the same sexual drive as men do, so you should be able to have casual sex just like guys do. So I I don't believe 15% of teen girls were forced to have sex. 
How many teen girls are there in the United States? I have no idea. You want to take a look? How many? See, the, the raw figure on the number of teenage girls in the United States. Obviously, it's millions and millions. So uh, we're, we're talking about a, a very large number of teen girls. So I don't believe it, okay? Especially since they don't explain force to have sex. And they don't even inquire whether the girl really was or regrets she had it and said she was forced. For the record, if a girl was forced, the guy should be prosecuted. Okay, just for the record. If you think, so this is Kathleen Ethier, director of the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health. Huh. What does school health mean? Do you know what that means? Okay, all right. If you think about every 10 teen girls you know, at least one and possibly more has been raped. Really? One out of every 10 teen girls in the United States has been raped? Do you believe that? You listening and or watching, meditating, whatever you're doing while listening to me, do you believe that? Is the question, am I telling the truth, even asked at the CDC? whether it's about vaccines, lockdowns, masks. I don't think so. I think that they have an agenda, and then they gear all of their responses to the agenda. I don't believe one in every ten teen girls in the United States has been raped. Do you? This is the stuff the CDC puts out, and of course the Washington Post reports it as if it's gospel. Well, I take that back. They think the gospels are false. (laughs) They think the CDC has replaced it. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. All right, everybody, reading to you the Washington Post report on the CDC report on the vast number of teenage girls who were being raped. I'm not done. My assumption is if the CDC pronounces on on anything, there is zero reason to believe it is true. It may be true. There's just no reason to believe that it is. It is packed with foolish people with agendas. End of issue. I'm sure there are some terrific people at the CDC. However, they are not in positions of influence, apparently. Kathleen Ethier, the director of the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, hmm, said if you think... About every 10 teen girls you know, at least one and possibly more has been raped. Hmm. Do I know 10 teenage girls? I don't think I do. Let's see. Mm, Two, 
Well, anyway, I, I, I find it unbelievable. It's like the culture of rape that we told on campuses. Uh, said the rise of sexual violence almost certainly contributed to the glaring spike of depressive symptoms. What does that mean, almost certainly contributed? If you're raped, of course it contributed. Why would, why would she say almost certainly? Of course it has to, if, if you believe that, of course it's contributed. What is as important in this uh, CDC report in, in the Washington Post is the, the glaring omissions of what might be causing all this depression. But I'll continue. Almost three in five teenage girls reported feeling so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row during the previous year that they stopped regular activities. Hmm. Three in five teenage girls, again, felt so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row in the previous year that they stopped regular activities. Wow. I don't know if that's true or not. My sense is that what the left has done to crush the joy of life, the hope, the meaning that previous generations of American youth had, nothing surprises me. But of course the CDC would never blame the left and what it has done to kids. You know what it's like to tell a girl you might be a boy? Do you think that that contributes? You think that that's a contributor to uh, to their depression? Of course it is. There is nothing stable in your life. There is no God. There is no nation to be proud of. Parental authority is zero. There is nothing stable in your life. You may not even be a girl. Check it out. And of course, you should experiment with homosexual relations. Now, I'm not talking about people who are gay. That's a separate issue entirely. Vast numbers of girls experiment in that arena far more than boys do. Because society tells them they should. Girls fared worse on other measures, too, with higher rates of alcohol and drug use than boys and higher levels of being electronically bullied, according to the 89-page report. 13% had attempted suicide the past year compared with 7% of boys. There's a certain dishonesty there. They don't tell you how many actually did commit suicide. Far more females attempt suicide than males, and far more males actually commit suicide. Hoover and others. Who's Hoover? Sharon Hoover. Hmm. Shockingly, another female involved in this. A professor of child and adolescent psychiatry. Uh Uh-oh. There's a field that uh, really honored itself in the recent past. She's a professor of child and adolescent psychiatry at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. 
she and others pointed out, it is unclear whether the data is influenced by other factors. If girls were more aware of depressive symptoms than boys, for instance, or more inclined to report them, or whether girls are simply far worse off. It's a fair statement. The pandemic took a heavy toll on adolescents. This is stuck in the middle of the article. Ah, the pandemic. No, the pandemic didn't take a... This is classic Washington Post jargon. The pandemic took a heavy toll on adolescents. That's a lie. The lockdowns took a heavy toll on adolescents. Pandemic didn't take a heavy toll on Swedish adolescents because there was no lockdown of Swedish kids. It is a classic example of lying without people knowing you're lying. They don't even know they're lying. I believe that. I think the Washington Post writer truly never questioned whether it was the pandemic or the lockdown. Because if you even question that, you might consider the CDC to have been an accessory in the crushing of America's children. And then you'd have to note that in your article. The pandemic did not ruin kids' lives. The CDC and the AMA did. Demanding that the kids not go to school. By the way, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think the pediatrics uh, community did say open up the schools at some point. Not everybody is a villain. Most. Hi there, everybody. The Ultimate Issues Hour on the Dennis Prager Show. The third hour every Tuesday. Some great issue of life. I'm going to introduce my guest now. She is one of the special people. I don't want to embarrass her, but I have recently become more aware than ever in my life of a phenomenon that life or God or nature, there's no way to know, seems to produce a handful of people in every generation who are truly exceptional. That exceptionality is with regard to their commitment to truth, to their courage in fighting evil. Telling the truth and fighting evil are almost synonymous. It's another important point that I've come to realize. And furthermore, I don't know how they are produced. There's no answer to that question. One of these is a woman that I've had on my show and on my fireside chat where I have almost no guests. Yan Mi Park. She grew up in North Korea, the world's largest concentration camp. And she and her mother escaped and then went into the horrors of communist China and sexual slavery being bought and sold and then escaped from there, ultimately made her way to South Korea, then to the United States. Yeah, it's pronounced Park in in Korean, but I should say Park, you're right, to make it clear, uh, in English. 
she has a reflective book on America and freedom and life. Just It's out today. I'm honored that she's on. It's titled, While Time Remains. What a great title. A North Korean Defector's Search for Freedom in America. We're going to talk about that. The foreword was written to give you an idea of the esteem in which he's held. Jordan Peterson, another luminous person in our generation, wrote the foreword to her book, And he writes, if the Cinderella story had been written by someone much grimmer than the Brothers Grimm, the star could well be the author of the current book. After escaping from the utter prison of North Korea, after surviving the sex slavery imposed on her and her mother simultaneously in China, after educating herself in an absolutely unlikely manner in South Korea, she made her way to the United States and enrolled in Columbia University, a once great beacon of Western freedom. To say that this was the dream of a lifetime is to radically overstate the case. This was something undreamed of, actually, it's understate the case. Something outside the realm of all reasonable possibility. Ms. Park, guided by the spirit of her entrepreneurial father, truly valued education, had endeavored in all ways to educate herself as thoroughly as possible. When she poured over, among other works, the books of the great George Orwell, and what happened when she entered the hallowed halls of Columbia? She encountered the same ideology that had corrupted her homeland and doomed its inhabitants to a life in hell. Isn't that something? I went to Columbia too, as it would happen. (laughs) Well, he picked up my term, six herb. There was nothing more unacceptable at Columbia than to be a six herb. Sexist, intolerant, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, racist bigot. Well... The book is up at DennisPrager.com, While Time Remains. Well, Yanmi, congratulations on the book, and welcome back to my show. Thank you. Sean has put on canned applause. <laughs> That's so kind. I'm very honored for that kind introduction. Thank you. Yes, well, you, you, you know how I feel, and uh, you've, you've earned it. By the way... Since you heard my introduction, I'll ask you what I have asked other people that are exceptional, and and I'm not even saying this to make you feel good. It's just a fact. It's silly to deny it. So have you ever reflected, I'm sure you have, but have you come to any resolution? What has made you, you, why were you, A, why are you a fighter? Why were you not crushed? Do you have any answer to that? No. It's beyond me. Exactly. Exactly. That, my dear listener, listeners, listener, that is, I didn't know what she would answer. That is the correct answer. No. There is no explaining the outlier. 
I can explain the sheep. I cannot explain the outlier. They're just born. Thank God they are. And uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm thrilled with your, your honesty. There is no answer. You are who you are, and you can't be anything else. That, that mm-hmm. is exactly right. So what have you learned that you, or maybe you didn't learn more, you just have more to say. Have you learned anything since we were together, let's say, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Are things worse? Uh, uh, have you learned more about the battle for freedom Give us a, a review. Uh, when I met you, uh, that was in Chicago. Actually, I was living in Chicago. And since then, I moved to New York City. And that's when I really realized, because New York City is where I went to college, as you know. And when I came back, I was gone for, I think, two to three years during the pandemic. And when I came back, I could not recognize New York City anymore. Uh, I loved going to, to K-Town in Midtown Manhattan. It's a 32nd Street Broadway. And I love taking my son to go eat Korean uh, food, introducing him to my culture. It's about Korea, and there's a beautiful Korean bookstore I go to. But on that corner, every corner I, I was seeing, there are drug dealers who are selling drugs in this purple wrap on the just corner. And then my son thinks this is like a lollipop they're selling. So he's begging me to buy that candy for him. And I was asking the police, just standing there, like, why are you doing this to our children? Why are you not stopping these drug dealers on the middle of like Manhattan corner? And they said, there's nothing you can do on, until they may be like shooting people or killing people. That is a line. They're only going to stop it. Otherwise, if they are selling the drugs to children who is like toddler, they're fine with that. And I could not recognize this city anymore. And that's when I'm realizing every day that even though they say, oh, the woke or this ideology is only in college campus, it's not destroying our country. But every year I am seeing the different country. And as a new American, I do not recognize a country that I came to for the first time. This is a completely different place, and I'm worried what it's going to become in the next five, ten years' time. Well, I do remember what America was like. It's very painful to see this happening. So, you're you are a very thoughtful individual. So, I'll ask you thought-filled questions. Do you think there is something in human nature that gravitates towards leftist authoritarianism? Hmm. I think there is some element of human beings that want to be taken care of by something that is bigger than themselves. And I think before, uh, the leftist ideologies are all about having no God, right? Having the government and party as their God. I think that human needs is there that we want to believe in something that's bigger than ourselves. And it's beautiful when you do that. And they keep thinking somehow when you give a power to big government, they become somehow that God who is moral, who is forgiving, who is loving. 
But they forget that government is a collection of greedy individuals that have their own special interests. They only fight for their own interests, not the behalf of the people. But I can see why people keep grabbing towards this feeling right. of taking care All of. Right. We're going to come back in a moment, Yanmi Park's book, While Time Remains, up at DennisPrager.com. Hi, everybody. I'm speaking to a remarkable human being, Yanmi Park. Her book is out today, Her Reflections on Freedom. She escaped North Korea only to be sold among men in China. While Time Remains, perfect title for the book. Jordan Peterson wrote the foreword quite fittingly. Book is up at DennisPrager.com, While Time Remains. So you attended Columbia, how ironic, so did I. Mm -hmm. And you came to the realization that you were being taught about America in such a negative way that it sort of reminded you of the way North Korea spoke of America. Is that accurate? Yeah, it was basically the same uh, thing they were teaching me, the same thing that taught me North Korean classroom was being taught in American classroom. I could not differentiate. I was couldn't believe, like, how on earth are we doing this to American minds? The things that North Korean regime teaches its own children, they were being taught by these Ivy League uh, professors. Have you gotten a chance to speak at colleges? I have, uh, but not at Columbia. Uh, I've been speaking some other colleges around the country, but they are usually hosted by the small groups, students' organizations they host. So what was the last college you spoke at, for example? Uh, I would... I think that was last year in the fall. I cannot remember the name, right? right? But was in, I think, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It, it is remarkable, as uh, Jordan Peterson points out in the foreword, you should be one of the most widely heard people in this country, having seen communism at its worst. And given what you have endured as a woman, I mean, you're, the, you're like the classic feminist idol, and yet they don't invite you, except for small groups. Why, why aren't you kosher <laughs> to mix religious <laughs> metaphors? There are several reasons. First is that, that I expose their hypocrisy of the American elite. They are tied to Chinese Communist Party, who sponsors the modern-day Holocaust in North Korea. And that makes them very uncomfortable, right? There's... On the surface, they are purchasing or how they are teaching us that silence is violence. Meanwhile, they are keeping silent about North Korean women, modern day slavery in China. And also, second of all, there are a lot of people who still want to believe that somehow socialism is better than capitalism. And that I expose their theories wrong again. So I have a lot of enemies from Maoist, Leninist, Marxist, socialist, democratic socialist. And all, all those people hate me for that reason. I, I'd like to note a historical fact for my listeners. If it weren't for Mao and communist China, there, there would be no North Korea. They invented North Korea. 
37,000 Americans died fighting North Korea to liberate South Korea. All of this was because of the Chinese Communist Party, the greatest genocidal movement in the history of mankind. And uh, yet uh, people have, have no issue really with China. It, it's, it, it, it's remarkable. When did you realize how how debased American education had become? Was it at Columbia? I think that was definitely at Columbia, but not only just the the education systems that is embedded in China. I think what really shocked me was when I had chance to meet the movers of shakers of this world. I was invited to private gathering by Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon. He brought uh, around maybe 150 individuals, like the billionaires, Tom Hanks, the Hollywood people. And he even invited Harvey Weinstein right before the Me Too. He flew me with Harvey's family from New York to Santa Barbara. I flew in a private jet with Harvey and his wife and his children, their nannies. And I go to this uh, event, it's off the record event. They are in a gathering of, they are talking about how Trump is a threat to American democracy. And I was still very open-minded and I was telling them about my story about China. And at the end they said, I, I'm sorry that was that happened to you, but please do not tell people that I know you or we are even friends. And not only that, like that was a few months before, but they were calling Harvey Weinstein, the man, the hero, and they were giving him a standing ovation. And the woman who was calling him a sexual uh, rapist, that woman was also in that audience. And obviously after the Me Too, I reached out to these people like, did you know that Harvey was such a predator? And they say, of course we all knew, did you not know? So they only stand up for injustice when it is only inconvenient, when they have nothing to lose. That's a problem with these people, all the lip service they do about how they you know, go down with the slavery, how they do not like injustice, inequality, and climate change, and all of the things that is, I mean, they literally make an injustice out of thin air, problem out of nowhere. And then when it comes to real problem, real injustice, that what is happening in China, in North Korea, they're keeping silent. And they do not want to stand up for that. Those who do not fight real evil make up evils to fight. Mm-hmm. That's the left. That's, the, that's one of their characteristics. So uh, yeah. here's an example. We're, we read all the time about all the anti-Asian hate. You're Asian. Do you experience that? Of course, I was robbed on the street in front of my toddler son. I was robbed on the street uh, by several black women. And I have nothing to against. Anybody can be a thief. But when these women were punching me and stealing my wallet, the reaction from the audience was what shocking to me. They circled me and they saw that I was trying to call the police on them, on these uh, thieves. They were calling me that I'm a racist because I'm in a wrong skin color. And they decide, based on your skin color, who, de- who deserves justice, right. who the deserves left, right. sympathy. That is correct. The left mm-hmm. does not divide between good and evil. It divides between black and non-black. Yeah. So you were beaten by a black woman, and you were, you were the, you were the uh, victimizer. Yeah. You were the oppressor. Yeah. 
yeah, but people refuse to help me. Yeah, that's, calling me, that's I'm right. a racist. That's right. That's exactly right. The book is While Time Remains, Yan Mi Park, Y-E-O-N-M-I Park is the author. It is up at DennisPrager.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, Ultimate Issues Hour, with one of the remarkable people living today, Yanmi Park. Escaped North Korea. The hell went into a hell and is warning America that the things that our kids are being taught at universities, and she experienced it at Columbia University, which, by the way, was recently voted the least free speech university in the United States. I went there too. I'm not surprised. After all, the combination of Ivy League and Manhattan is not something that cultivates liberty, let alone respect for the country. It's a bad combo, unfortunately. And she is. Uh, she realized that she's hearing stuff in the United States at colleges, now in high schools, elementary schools, that are reminiscent of the things that she heard when she was a child in North Korea. And that is the, uh, the direction she worries about us moving. Is there any, any progress being made, or do you see it right now as basically a dark picture? Oh, it's, I think in some sense that I am hopeful about our countries that we have 50 different states. And when I do travel other parts of the country, I feel hope that people still have common sense. People still, as you said, have respect for the country and recognize what a miracle this country is and what a beacon of hope for entire humanity. I think for Americans, for them to realize what America means for the rest of the humanity, this, is, this country shows us a possibility what humanity can achieve, what we can do under liberty. And I think that's why, like, for me, I think but a lot of people outside big cities do realize that. And that's my hope for to wake up America, that for them to realize how precious this country is. And if we lose it, we may never get this kind of country ever again. That's right. So, again, I ask you big questions because you, you think big, and there may not be answers to these. I, I'm, I'm asking because I'm curious to know, how do you explain the number of Americans who have contempt for the country and contempt for freedom? Uh, in sense of, uh, sorry, the- Again, the, there is a large number of Americans... They're called mm-hmm. leftists, progressives, mm-hmm. who have contempt for the country and who mm-hmm. have contempt for freedom. They, they disdain both. Yeah. How do you explain people growing up in the freest country mm-hmm. who end up hating it and hating freedom? <laughs> I think they are also indoctrinated. I think I do have some sympathy for them. I met them as my classmates. I, I meet them daily in New York City. I do really believe that since they were young, they were taught, like I was taught in North Korean classroom, that somehow capitalism is an evil system. 
And that was the exact thing that Columbia professors telling us that all the problems we have in the world is because of the greedy capitalism and white Western civilization. And I think this ideology, I don't believe it just began in college. It had to begin a lot earlier than that. So I think that our problems are a lot bigger than just college campuses. And that's why I'm so worried sending my son to a school in living in New York City. And I'm afraid what is going into his mind every day by his teachers. Why don't you homeschool him? I know it's, I work and it's really hard mm-hmm. while you're homeschooling a child and working. And I, my work involves a lot of traveling too. So, I mean, if you can do it, it's the best scenario you can afford. But now I think every American have a you know, opportunity to do the homeschooling and let the governments take care of your child. And it's, it's horrible. I know what the consequences of that when you let the different people to shape your children's mind. Are, are you still a committed Christian? I am. I am. What does that give you in terms of values and insight? I think it gives me peace that at the end of the day, I'm not the one who's in charge. At the end of the day, there is somebody much, much bigger or some you know, greater force. So I think despite everything that is happening, and even though I'm fighting this against the most vicious people, the communists and Marxists, it still gives me a lot of gratitude. And I'm just grateful every day that you know, I have a roof over my head. I have a hot shower. I have a son who is healthy. And life is beautiful despite everything that's happening. Well, the book, my friends, is While Time Remains. God bless you, Yanmi. We will talk again, and I will do whatever I can to further your work. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at pragertopia.com.